to help us now to navigate some of the trade winds, I'm really excited to welcome to the show folk duo Southering, who are Julio Irvin and Heg Brignall. Welcome to the show, both. Hi, thanks for having us. It's great to get you on. And really excitingly, uh, we're talking to you just as you're poised to launch your debut album, which is called If We Turn Away, which is an intriguing title, which we'll uh, explore a little in a minute. But let's start with the two of you first, because you're kind of trading under a new name in some ways, aren't you? So uh, help us get a sense of that. Yeah, that's right. So um, we we had many, many problems with people not remembering our names and also mispronouncing them and misspelling them. And we had some um, mentoring sessions with a lovely woman called Terry O'Brien who's a promoter and a booker and she um, advised us that it would be worth thinking about changing our name so that it was a bit more memorable and sort of said a little bit more about what we do. So we embarked on the long process of trying to settle on a name that we both liked and we ended up finding a word in a Robert McFarlane book called Landmarks and um, this book is kind of like a glossary of words about the landscape and um, southering means the sound of the wind through the trees or the sound of wind under a bird's wing and we just felt that really reflected our love of nature and kind of the songs that we write. It's a great word and I think it's a great word to use as a name for the two of you because there's something very familiar about the noise that it describes but actually there's something quite fresh and surprising about it as well. You know, it's not a word that you perhaps use all the time. And I found that in listening to your music, I found there were some things that really kind of resonated with perhaps I thought I knew or I'd heard or, you know, kind of were familiar, but equally there were things that took me to other places. Let, let's talk a little bit about the album itself, If We Turn Away, which I think derives from a, a poem or a, or a piece of text. So the line actually comes from one of the songs that's on the album, the song called This Land. Um, And basically it's just kind of a little line in the first verse that leaves a kind of hang before going into the rest of the song. And we were sort of talking a lot about what we felt the album was about, like what we poured into our own songs and also the the traditional songs that we chose, what they meant to us. And that line from um, This Land really seemed to stand out as sort of tying it all together. And the tracks themselves, I think I'm right in saying there are eight original songs, songs that you've you've composed and written yourselves. And then there are two which are based on traditional songs. That's right, yeah. And those traditional songs themselves, did, did you feel that they, were they things that you did live and that you wanted to include or were they things that helped kind of frame some of the, the themes of the album? Um, I think both probably. Yeah, we, we played quite a few different traditional songs and these two were um, ones that really stood out to us. Blood and Gold, the a cappella song, uh, was really the first song that we did a cappella that really helped us realise the potential of our two voices together. It just felt really good singing that one. And it had, it's got a, a kind of drama to it. So that felt really good putting that one on. And Survey, again, there's a bit of drama there, but the main reason we picked Survey is because it's a folk song that depicts a strong woman. And we really like the story in that. So that's why that one got picked. And I guess people will put you in the folk bracket but I think it's broader than that isn't it I think it's always difficult to sort of put labels and tags on different types of music and I think uh, some of the sort of promotional things describe you as folk and acoustic but I I think there are sort of there are lots of elements of other pieces of music in what you do so you can hear for example classical music or you can hear elements not particularly of jazz maybe but um, you know there are elements of other things that come in. Yeah that's right and actually it has been we've sort of 
ended up in the folk scene. I think both of us have a lot of strong influences from folk. But interestingly, on Saturday, we had someone come up to us at our gig in Exeter and say, how would you describe yourselves in terms of genre? And it's always a really difficult question because the trad scene definitely slightly frowns upon our use of the piano. <laughs> um, so it's not necessarily an instrument that's um, associated with folk music. Um, but I suppose the storytelling aspect of our music and our songs definitely fits very well within the tradition. I guess there are no rules anymore. I think that's probably the, the best way to, to to look at it. I'm interested in one of the sort of, I suppose, key focuses of, of what you do and what you do particularly on this album there's a lot there's a big theme you've touched on it of, of nature and in the environment and more specifically how it's telling us some very strong things giving us a lot of feedback in terms of um you know what we're not getting right yeah i think that that became more pronounced as well during lockdown that first lockdown when everything stopped and it was kind of like you know you're hearing all these stories about delhi for example having completely clear skies for the first time in years and um that those themes definitely fed into some of the new songs that we wrote during lockdown. Kingfisher, the new single, definitely reflects upon that. And, and um, this land in particular is the one that's reflecting on what we're doing to the planet. Look out 
There's a fragility, I think, about a, a number of these songs, and what I mean by that is, it you, you could you could I think read this in the wrong way. You could think this is an album about birds, okay? And essentially, that there's a lot of there are a lot of birds, a lot of feathered friends across the the album, but it's more about our fragile state in terms of how we live and uh, and how we live amongst the environment. Is that is that a fair summary? Yeah, I'd say that's a really um, accurate summary, actually, of, of the album, because it is kind of very contemplative of what we are seeing happening globally. But it's also, we think it's got this kind of message of hope, of like, you know, if we really come together and celebrate the things that are important, then we can, and, and re-embrace nature and the natural world, then there is a, a way forward for all of us. Now, a lot of folks listening will think that a folk duo is only two people, okay, because the clue is in the title. But um, for this album, inevitably, I think when you go into a recording studio, there's a, there's a wider band, isn't there? There's a, there's a, a wider number of performers and players to help support the recording. So uh, tell us about the, that kind of process in terms of how you went from, you know, from, from honing these songs together, but then um, bringing in more people to, to help kind of reverberate that sound. Yeah, well, I suppose we'll, we'll always be a duo at heart, but we, we were really keen to have, in particular, strings on the album, that we could both hear arrangements with strings. And so uh, we worked very closely with Lucas Drinkwater, who recorded the album, and he played plays double bass, and so the bass that you hear on the album is by him. And then we invited our friend Aaron Catlow, who happened to be in the studio at the exact right time. And um, he put three string arrangements onto three of the songs and we were just completely blown away by his his input on those. Um, and then for the live shows, we've got a girl band. 
life goals achieved. Um, <laughs> we are joined by the amazing Olivia Dunn on violin and uh, Sarah Ricketts on double bass. And they've they've kind of taken some of the arrangements that were on the album, but they've also written their own, which we've also been completely blown away by. They're both very exceptionally talented musicians. Now, I know you've been playing and gigging and all over the place together for some time and i was wondering how difficult it was when you know when you approach a debut album when you actually kind of commit something to a record i wonder how difficult it was to sort of keep and capture your your style and your sound were there things that perhaps changed in the recording process that hopefully you liked but were there things that perhaps you, you didn't expect yeah i mean we we worked we were very fortunate to work with lucas drinkwater who essentially became sort of the third member of the band during that whole process i mean he actually he was just we just employed him to record but he actually did quite a lot of producing of the album as well in in the sense that he made lots of suggestions um of things that could make the song sound even better so things like at the end of black bull the clapping at the end that was lucas's idea and we had a pretty hilarious time trying to get that laid down with me and heg being quite rhythmic challenged it turns <laughs> out um and there were also parts like um the flute part on this land that just came about in the recording studio so there was a lot of freedom given to the fact that me personally i wasn't limited to just playing the guitar or just the flute i could write other parts and layer them up which was really exciting it sounds like hard work i think yeah it was hard work but it was absolutely amazing <laughs> i wanted to add to that that and say that um the other thing that lucas did was he was really sympathetic to what we create live and how what we the, the music we make he really understood that and so he made sure that when we recorded we did so in a way that felt really organic so when we recorded blood and gold we stood uh, either side of a mic and just did it like we do it live and actually the recording that we've got that we were it was not that it was not the perfect take but it had a magic about it mm. that we all mm. felt was the right take so that's why we put that that take on the album now there's some very personal songs i think on the album as well and uh, one particularly stood out to me was uh, downfalling which heg i think you wrote after a sort of an exchange with your granddad, I think. Yeah, that's right. I, I wrote it quite a long time ago, actually, but it's never been recorded properly in a studio. And uh, when Julia and I met, we discovered that we'd both written songs about our grandparents. I'm sure yours will end up on the next album. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this song, I spent a lot of time really trying to gather stories from my grandparents before I lost them. I, so I wrote letters to my granddad and asked him lots of questions about his time as a prisoner of war. And the letters that he wrote back were just so poignant that the song almost just wrote itself. The final track on the album I wanted to ask you about was a song called Boatman, uh, which is a bit of a warning, I think. You know, it is it, loosely, I think, it's, we're talking about Charon, aren't we? The, the boatman and the, uh, yeah. the kind of Greek myth. But there's a lot more to it than that. And I think it sits nicely at the end of the album to sort of shake you up a little. Yeah, and that's... Um was the only song that I wrote during lockdown. So during that period of time, Heg and I both lost our creativity in a way. It was all, everything felt very still. And that also was reflected in our just general being. Nothing was kind of flowing. And then um, Boatman just sort of came about through this feeling of isolation during uh, this really strange time. And also the fact that you were spending so much time with one person in your home but you felt sort of isolated and alone 
and it just had this this story just again it kind of wrote itself about this young girl and this boatman and their sort of relationships with themselves and with each other let's talk about devon because uh, you mentioned uh, that you've been gigging i think you did a gig in exeter last night i think you said and uh, you are based somewhere in devon hiding out on the edge of dartmoor i think how important do you think that landscape and that environment is to who you are and what you do i think it's really shaped everything that we do actually because we we started playing together when we were living in bristol but it didn't come into its own really while we were living there it's just starting out and now we made the decision to leave the city um, and try and find a, a kind of greater sense of community around us and be more connected with nature um, and that has really, really shaped this album. It's it's in every song. And the fact that we were locked down here for all that time whilst we were making the album, you know, getting out onto the moors with our dogs. <laughs> and I think it's really shaped the, al- the yeah. album that we've ended up with. I agree. Great creative space, I think, to uh, to get lost and found on, I think, is probably uh, a good way to, to, yeah. to look at it. If We Turn Away is the debut album from Southering, and it's released on the 25th of February. Uh, Really pleased to have been talking to uh, Julia Irving and Heg Brignall. Thanks both and uh, wish you all the best uh, with the album and with the tours and gigs that come next. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Never spoke again to anyone. 
Still this story repeats again 